in the Babylonian captivity, God had a plan for them, verses 10 and 11. And I want to talk about the plan he has for our lives. You know, a lot of times people make a statement, something like, God has a plan for your life. And you say, well, what is that? So, well, I don't know what it is, but I know he's got one. Well, we want to go to the Word of God today, and we want to find out what his plan is for your life because he's told us, and we'll know that this morning. Let's begin over in Acts chapter 2. And I want to, uh, to set forth a few things this morning before we get into the details of that plan. And the first thing is that God sets forth his plan for us of those things which he has predestined or chosen in advance. And I want to give a few examples of this. The first one is in Acts chapter 2 and in verse 23. Acts 2 and verse 23. And here the Bible says, uh, looking at the first part of this verse, this man, speaking of Jesus, and here is the Apostle Peter as he's preaching, delivered over by the determined, the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, the New American Standard says. In other words, God had preordained this. He had predestined. He had predetermined this. And so this was his plan. This was his plan for the life of Jesus. Now let's go over to chapter 4 and look at verse 28. Chapter 4 and verse 28. Uh, just jumping in the middle of things here. Uh, again, speaking of Jesus and the preaching here, to do whatever your hand, that's God's hand, and your purpose predestined to occur. So God's plan is to do those things which he is predestined, that he is preordained. So to ask, what is God's plan for my life, is to ask this. What is God's purpose for my life? And what has God predestined for me? God's plan for us is that which he has predestined. And so we, can, we simply can answer the question, his plan for me is to do those things he's predestined. Let me give you an example. Luke chapter 7 and verse 30. The scribes and Pharisees rejected the purpose of God. What did they do? They rejected the preaching and baptism of John the Baptist. And in doing so, they rejected God's plan for their life. What was the plan? Listen to John and do what I have said. They rejected that. They rejected God's plan for their life. Now, the second thing we want to notice is that God's plan is communicated in his word. Now, this is different from those who have a Calvinistic view of religion. And, and, and that involves the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to come down. He's going to make you be saved. You know, if you've been chosen by God, there's nothing you can do about it. You're either lost or saved. you got nothing you can do about it. God decided a long time ago. So if you're chosen to be saved, he's going to send the Holy Spirit down there. He's going to make you get saved. And then he's going to make the Holy Spirit do whatever his plan is for you. Well, no, that's not the way that it works. God communicates his plan in his word. Let's go over once again to Jeremiah chapter, chapter 29. And I want us to notice here from verse 10. Now, and what is Jeremiah saying? He's talking about their Babylonian captivity. And he says in verse 10, For thus says the Lord, When seventy years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you. Verse 11, For I know the plans, the plans that I have for you, 
So what's he going to do? He's going to come and fulfill his word that is already spoken, already prophesied. His plan was to do what he had communicated already in his word. Remember in Acts chapter 20 and verse 27, the apostle Paul. And what does he say about his preaching there at Ephesus? That he had declared the whole purpose of God. In other words, I have proclaimed God's plan for you. And I've just not proclaimed a little bit. I've just not given you a little bit, but the whole purpose. I have given you the whole plan of God for your life. We can look at other examples. Luke chapter 4, verse 42, and John chapter 12, verse 27. Jesus came to the earth for what? The purpose of preaching and dying upon the cross, seeking and saving those who are lost. This was exactly in accordance to the word of God. The plan of God for this congregation, the South Livingston congregation, is to do what he has ordained in his word. That is his plan for us. To know God's plan for our life means that we must know his word and learn his commandments for us so that we can do that in our lives. Whether or not we fulfill God's plan is up to us, whether or not we obey his word. His plan is set forth. It's set forth in his word, and it's up to us whether or not we're going to fulfill that in our lives. Now let's get down to some specifics. And let's go to the Word of God. And the first few here are very simplistic. And, and, and we would know this just by common sense, but I want to look from the Word of God. So let's go over to Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. We ask the question from the Word of God, what is God's plan for my life? Number one, to obey the gospel. Notice in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, and again just jumping in the middle of things here because of time, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now get this. We are called. How are we called? We won't look at it this morning. Remember 2 Thessalonians 2.14, we're called by the gospel. You know some people say, God called me to do this or that. Well, how did he call you? Well, I heard some voice, or I imagined some voice, or I had some dream, or I just felt God was calling me. No, that's not the way that it works. God calls us through the gospel, and he calls us according to his purpose, verse 28. In other words, God foreordained this purpose, and he uses his word to call us to fulfill this purpose in our lives. Remember a few other scriptures we won't take time to, we won't take time, uh, we, we won't take time to read all of them today. We'll go first of all to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. Then we'll look at a few others. God's purpose. We've been called according to his purpose. His purpose is to save us and to do that. We're going to have to respond to the call. How do we do that? We do so by obedience to the gospel. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. Again, just jumping, just jumping in the middle of things here. Speaking of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. 
not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he granted to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Grace granted to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Now, I encourage you to read the bulletin article. I, I, I wrote it on that, and it's in the bulletin this morning. And for me, when I read that and I study those scriptures, I am so thankful God called me for this purpose of being saved and receiving his grace in Christ Jesus, and he did so from eternity. God has called us in his grace. We're saved by faith, uh, by, by grace through faith, according to the mercy and the love of God. Remember 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. God desires that everyone is saved and comes to the knowledge of the truth. He wants everybody to be saved. This is his plan for every person to be saved. What must we do? We must respond to the call. How do we do that? We obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember 2 Peter 3, 9. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God does not want any person to be lost. God's purpose is for us to obey the gospel. He's called us with a holy calling. His plan for us is to respond. And when we respond, we are saved. But let's get a little deeper into this. This is sort of common sense. God's purpose, his plan for us is to be saved. Although, now let me just mention, for those who have the Calvinistic view, which is largely denominational, they say God chose some people to go to hell before, before they're even born. But that's not what the Bible says. God wants everybody to be saved. That's his plan for everyone. So let's go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 7. Yes, God's plan is for us to be saved. And we do that by obeying the gospel. But also his plan is for us to be sanctified and to be godly. In other words, his plan is for us to go to his word to learn how to live and to live that way. That's what he wants. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 7, the Apostle Paul says, For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. Your translation may say holiness. Or to, be holy. to be sanctified or holy is to be separated to God, and this results in a specific conduct. In other words, to be, to be separated to God for the purpose of serving him, and because of that we live in a particular way, the way that he has commanded us to live. Also go with me over to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. We're also called, his purpose for us, his plan for us is to be godly. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. But have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Now, godliness is reverence toward God. That results in living the way he wants us to live. And so God has called us, yes, to be saved. Yes, to obey the gospel. But to know what the word says so that we live that way separated from the world, separated from sin, sanctified and holy, living the way God would have us live. And because of our reverence, our piety toward him, our reverence toward him and obedience to the gospel to live the way he wants us to live. 
So his plan for us is to respond to the call, the call of the gospel, to obey the gospel. His plan for us is to be saved. And his plan for us is, is to live the way he is commanded in his word so that we are sanctified holy and godly. Now, think about this sanctification and this godliness. How do we do that? Turn your Bibles with me over to 1 Peter chapter 1. And, and, and we've already talked about this. I know that you already know it, but I want you to see it in the Word of God. How do we do this? Many in the world today, they say, well, God's just going to come to you in the middle of the night. He's going to give you a little dream. Or he's going to speak with you with a little soft voice. He's going to tell you the plan that he has for you. I saw this recently on TV. One guy was talking to another guy. And, and he said, you know, God spoke to me one time. He told me you go out and you start a church and you, you, you do all these things. Those things aren't in the Bible. God did not tell that man to do that. But that's what he says. So how does this happen? This sanctification and this godliness. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning of verse 1, and, and just the very end of verse 1, says, who are chosen? He's writing to Christians here. Who are chosen? Now look at verse 2. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus. That's what it is. The sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. And how are we sanctified? We obey Jesus Christ. And when we do, we are sanctified. We are sprinkled with his blood. And we receive the grace of God. Peter says, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Now, jump, jump down to verses 15 and 16. Okay, so here's one who obeys Jesus Christ, sprinkled with the blood of, of Christ, receiving the grace of God, verse 15, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your conduct, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So how are we holy? We obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then we're washed in the blood of Christ and given the grace of God. But also go over to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. Again, something we're very familiar with, but I want to point this out to you. We're talking about the purpose of God. Those things he's foreknown or predestined or his plan for us to be saved, sanctified. And godly. Second Peter chapter 1 beginning in verse 2. Grace and peace. Remember we've been talking about grace. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 9. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, of Jesus our Lord. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything to life and godliness. How so? Through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. How are we called? Through the gospel. And in responding to that call, in obedience to the gospel, we have all things for godliness. And then look at verse 4. Sort of the middle of verse 4. Well, I'll start reading the beginning. It's hard to catch it. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so, by, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. So that you be godly. Godly because of your reverence. 
You are as much as possible for a human living on the earth. You are like God because you reverence him and you obey the gospel. And so you are godly and partakers of that divine nature. God's plan for us is revealed in his word. And when we obey those things, when we respond to the call, we are saved and we are sanctified and we are godly. That's God's plan. Our job is to learn and understand the gospel. Learn and understand the gospel so that we can live as God would have us to live. That is our job and that is God's plan for us. Well, let me throw this one in here because it's, it's in the Bible. God's plan for us is also to patiently endure suffering. That is his plan. Go with me over to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And, and you remember this scripture and you recognize it because it's talking about the suffering of Jesus Christ and how that we are to walk in his footsteps. But, but follow along with these two verses with me and let's notice what it says. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated you endure it with patience. But if when you do what is right and suffer for it you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose. The word purpose tells us this is God's plan. He called us. How does he call us? Through the gospel. He called us for this purpose. This is the plan God has set forth for us. That when we are persecuted, when we are in tribulations, when we are in sufferings, we are to endure it patiently. And to endure just doesn't mean put up. It means by, by a strong will to bear up under. Not just sort of putting up with it because we've got to put up with it and we don't have any choice. It's not what it's talking about. But because of our strong will that we endure to the glory of God. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, Arm yourselves also with the same purpose. That's God's plan. So yes, to be saved. Yes, to be sanctified. Yes, to be godly. But also to bear up, to endure patiently when we suffer, whatever it may be. God's plan is for me to obey the gospel and to endure sufferings. My job is to obey as I patiently endure, trusting in God and his power in my life. Well, let's go on because there are so many things that the Bible says. God's plan is for us to spend eternity in heaven. That's his plan. Turn with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And again, we're keying off a few words, purpose, predestined, foreknowledge, plan. Notice what it says here in 2 Corinthians 5, beginning of verse 1. For we know that if the, earth, if the earthly tent, which is our home, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this house we groan, that's our physical body, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, that's eternal life. Inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. 
now. He who prepared us for this very purpose. God prepares us for this purpose in responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ and being saved, being sanctified, being godly, bearing up during suffering. We are prepared for this purpose. What is God's plan? That we spend eternal life in heaven. That is his plan for us. And he's prepared us for this very purpose. Go with me also to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And, and if there's a place in the Bible that talks about those things which God predestined, those things which he foreknew, those things which he has planned, it is the book of Ephesians. And we'll take just... A scripture out of that. Ephesians chapter 1 and beginning in verse 10, the very end of verse 10, New American Standard says, in him. So we're talking about being in Christ. In him, now verse 11, also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose. God's purpose. This is what he planned out long ago from all eternity that he predestined. This is his plan that he put in action that we obtain an eternal inheritance. This is God's plan for us and our life. To live forever in heaven and to have this inheritance 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, God calls us for the purpose of inheriting a blessing. And this blessing is eternal life. God's plan for me is to obey the gospel and to live for eternity in heaven, inheriting a blessing. My job is to obey the gospel so that I, so that I go to heaven and inherit that blessing. So we have a purposeful life. There is purpose to our life. There is a plan behind our life. And God is the one who has set forth this plan. We've talked about that. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. Second, I might have misspoke. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 10. I, I want us to notice Paul as he talks about himself and he tells us to follow him. And he says this, verse 10. Now you followed my teaching, or doctrine, conduct, purpose. In other words, he had a purpose in life. That was to fulfill the plan of God. Our purpose is to do the will of God and to obey the gospel. Now I want to take just a moment and give just a warning because there are many false teachers in the world, and they talk about this purpose, your purpose in life, God's plan for you. And they use this in the allurement of their false doctrines to get people to follow after them. Let me give you an example. Rick Warren, The Purpose Driven Life. He's got a new book out. It's called What on Earth Am I Here For? What on Earth Am I Here For? And it's basically just the first seven chapters of A Purpose Driven Life. Now, let me tell you just a little bit about what he says in this book. 
on page 26, he talks about judgments. And, and he says, we're going to be judged, but we're given these questions in advance. For the, from the Bible, we can summarize that God will ask us two crucial questions. Number one, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? This direct quote here. You can look at this online. God won't ask about your religious background or your doctrinal views. Oh, yeah. Well, we just read from Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 10 that we are to follow according to his teaching or his doctrine. And so we are going to be asked if we could talk in such a way as that. Rick Warren says, all you got to do is learn to trust him. That's all that counts. It doesn't matter what your religion is. It doesn't matter what your doctrinal view is. That's not God's plan for your life. That's not the purpose for your life, to follow some doctrine, to be a part of some church. It just depends on what you do with his son, Jesus Christ. The second question is, what did you do with your life? What did you do with your life? In other words, what did you do with what God gave you? And he says this. The first question will determine where you spend eternity. In other words, what you did with his son. Doesn't matter your religion. Doesn't matter your doctrine. That's, that determines where you're going to spend eternal life. But the second question, what did you do with your life? The second question will determine what you do in eternity. So if you did really good things with what you got, oh, you're going to have a great life in eternity. But if you didn't do really good things with what you got in line, eternity, you'll be in heaven, but it's not going to be that great. So I want to go down to page 56 because he says, later on I'll tell you what to do with Jesus, and he gets to that. So he makes his invitation for them to come. And uh, he tells them things like real life begins by committing yourself completely to Jesus Christ. All you need to do is receive and believe. He uses that phrase. All you got to do is receive and believe. And for believe, you know, he says, just believe in, the, in God's purpose for you. And to receive, of course, he tells them to say a prayer of faith, which I won't read that. And then when he gets done with that, he says, congratulations, welcome to the family of God, and then wants them to go to his website. So I want us to notice there are many people in the world saying there's lots of purposes, and God's plan for you. Doesn't matter where you go to church. Doesn't matter what your religion is. Doesn't matter what your doctrinal views are. As long as you said this prayer of faith, everything's all right. That's not what the Bible says. And we need to be aware of that. I, I, I want to just look at a, just two more verses with you and, and remind you from 2 Timothy chapter 3. And uh, in, in the first few verses of this chapter, Paul is talking about these false teachers who hold a form of godliness but, de but deny its power. Talks about false teachers going and leading women astray with all sorts of false doctrines. Talks about the examples of, Jan of Janus and Jambres and, and their false teachings. And then in verse 10 he says, Now you follow my teaching or doctrine, conduct, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, and so on. Rick Warren says that stuff doesn't matter. But now look at verses 16 and 17. And you know these scriptures so well. And I want to bring these into the context of this lesson that we are talking about. 
False teacher said, God's got a plan for you. You don't have to go to a particular church. You don't have to have any doctrine. It doesn't matter what you believe. No, that's not right. Verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for doctrine. You know, there it is right in the Bible. It does matter what we believe. It does matter what our teaching is, and it does matter what our doctrine is. You see, why does it matter? Because that's where God communicates his plan. See, and others in the world say, God doesn't communicate his plan for your life here. This doesn't matter. You know, just listen to me. I'll tell you what it's all about. Just do what I say. You'll be all right. Or God will come whisper in your ear. You'll have a dream. or You'll have a feeling. That is not it. It's right here. The Bible. The Word of God. Our plan is written here. In the Word of God. It's found in the Scriptures. And it makes us complete for every good work. What does that mean? God's total plan for our life is right here in the book. I know I'm over time, but as I thought about this lesson, I thought about the fact that years ago, false teachers and people in denominations used to call us, those in the Lord's church, people of the book. And you don't hear that anymore. And I'm sorry for that. Because I still want to be known as to be a person of the book. This is the plan. Every question is answered in the plan. Everything we need to know for life and godliness is in the plan. The master's plan for our life. And so then all the personal plans we make as we use the word of God to guide our life, it's all if the Lord wills, James 4.15. What is the master's plan for your life? What is the purpose of your life? What is the reason for living? It's the things we've talked about. Obey the gospel of Jesus Christ to be saved, to be sanctified, holy and godly, to spend eternity in heaven, to have an eternal inheritance, and to fulfill your purpose, the purpose God tells us, to fulfill the purpose, God's purpose in our life. That's the reason for living. That's God's plan for our lives. I hope the lesson's been helpful. It's been helpful for me. I know my purpose. I know my reason for living. We'll extend the gospel invitation. If you'd like to take your song books and turn to number 380, it won't be very long. It won't be very long till that day comes when the Lord returns takes all the saints home and there is this great and grand judgment and we enter into our internal abode eternal life our inheritance and it won't be very long God's outlined the plan for our lives told us the way he wants us to live and told us where he wants us to spend eternity and it's just up to us to work the plan work the plan if you're not a Christian this morning, you begin working the plan by becoming a Christian. Because you believe in Jesus Christ and you repent of your sins.
confess that Jesus is the Son of God. You're baptized into Christ Jesus, added to the church, become a member of the household of God. That's the beginning of the plan. And then as Christians, all of us here are working the plan of being sanctified and being godly and enduring patiently during times of suffering. We're working that plan. And then when judgment day comes, we'll be part of the conclusion of that plan to enter into heaven and to glorify and worship God and Jesus Christ for eternity. And then we'll work the rest of that plan forever. Are you working the Lord's plan this morning? If you are, you have a home in heaven, and it won't be very long, that's where you'll be. But if you're not working that plan, won't you change and begin working his plan in your life? And if we can help you do that, we'd like you to come to the front as we stand and sing.